0: First Lieutenant Childers, Gunny Boer, Lance Corporal Wafford, Lance Corporal Mortensen, Corporal Canan, Corporal Jaime, Lance Corporal Maynard, Corporal Trevelyan, Lance Corporal Whitney, Lance Corporal Flores, Sergeant Wicks, Corporal Carpenter, Corporal Hiska, Lance Corporal Cashman, Corporal Brenner, Corporal Mitchell, Sergeant Kegley, Captain Shoal, Lance Corporal Slack, Sergeant Cahir, Lance Corporal Hogan, Lance Corporal Baker, Lance Corporal Swanson, Lance Corporal Jackson, Lance Corporal O'Brien, Lance Corporal Freeman, Lance Corporal O'Connor, Lance Corporal McDaniel's, Corporal Verbeek, Corporal Singh, Gunny Pate, Lance Corporal Farias, Corporal Schneider, Sergeant Broker, Lance Corporal Mendez Hernandez, Lance Corporal Greniger Sergeant Patrone, Sergeant Robinson. Sergeant Gonzalez Jr. Corporal Docher. Corporal Patino. Sergeant Strong. Lance Corporal Nolan. HM3 Dune. Lance Corporal Simon. Staff Sergeant Gorzik. Corporal Long. Lance Corporal Avery. Lance Corporal Alarid. Sergeant Tafoya. Sergeant Ladner. Sergeant Dang. Lance Corporal Lazukin. Corporal Ortiz Corporal Shaw Lance Corporal Fermino, And Sergeant Wormy. These are all fallen brothers Of all of the Different wars That I have participated in I didn't know all of them I served with many of them We all chewed the same dirt And I want to take a minute To remember them And I would like you to join me just a moment to think about them that shit gives me chills it does saying all their names trying to remember them you know it's just uh it's a it's about respect it's about Making sure that they never die, that they are legends. So, I appreciate you guys giving me that moment, and I hope you guys had a wonderful Memorial Day. I, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that sits here and judges you, you know, for a long time. I was a kid, I was a young man, and You know, Memorial Day was always a time where we gathered as a family and we had barbecues or we had time off of work or, you know, know, whatever it is. Like, and, you know, my family was patriotic. We love America and, you know, we always celebrated Memorial Day for... The United States and I don't think it was until I went to these different wars and you know that it changed how my my personal fam my personal outlook as well as my family's Uh, I laugh because my mother you know she's just the typical mom like she loves her son and you know Memorial Day comes around and she tells me she loves me and you know, she says that every time that we talk, but she says on Memorial Day, you know, she tells me she's thinking about me, and, and you know, like, and I've tried to tell her before. my like, Mom, like, Memorial Day is for those that didn't come home. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I love you, and I just want you to know that as I think about all of your friends, I also think about you and what you're going through. And I'm like, okay, like... I get it. So, whatever you did for Memorial Day, I hope that you had a good time, that you took time to remember those who gave everything, you know, regardless of what war that it was for, uh, what time frame, you know, they all play a part in, in our country, so anyways. This episode, we're going to talk about a couple things. First thing is, i got to start with, you know, we made a post on the Max Orton Instagram page. It was about a Night Force attacker scope. And it, all these comments, all these guys come out the woodwork, want to talk about, like, you know, me claiming that Leupold is better than Night Force, and yada, yada, yada. And, like, why did Night Force win the contract? And, look, I'm not going to get into all those details. The point of the matter is this. Yes, I am sponsored by Leupold, but it's not because they pay me. It's not because I'm getting something that is so unobtainable anywhere else. It's literally because I was handed one of their scopes after I said, I don't like Louisville. And They said, here, take this, test it, try it, tell us what you think. And it was a Mark V. So I did just that. I ran tracking tests on it. I did all kinds of different tests that you would see, like shot in the rain, doused it with water. Like, obviously, I didn't dive with it. That wasn't what I was going to do with it as a competitive shooter or an instructor of law enforcement and civilians. But I did run it through its paces. And I loved everything about it. And I was sold from that moment on. So let's just clear this right now. If I'm running a piece of gear, it's because I believe in it. It's not because somebody pays me to do it. That's not me, that's not who I am. I could not pridefully sacrifice my performance for some piece of gear or money that's gonna make me look bad. That's not who I am, okay? So if I tell you that this Night Force failed, and they should have bought a Leupold. It's because the Night Force failed, and I honestly believe I prefer Leupold over Night Force. That's it. So if you want to check out all the comments, you can go and look on our Instagram page and see this flurry of people. Like, And it's crazy how one little post can get people starting to attack each other. You know, somebody will try to defend me, and I don't care. Like, you could say whatever you want. I'll probably just laugh at you, and maybe you'll get a comment back. Maybe you won't. Like, I've been doing this too long. I really don't care what you say. So people defend me. People talk shit on me. But then people start attacking each other, and it's like, come on, guys. Like, why? I guess maybe it's entertaining for some people, right? Like, I don't know any other reason, you know. And then we got dudes fucking calling out, like, well, Night Force did this and Night Force did this and Special special Forces likes this, company." blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on. Like, everybody's got these stories. Like, oh, well, you know, this company won a military contract. Let me tell you that does not mean anything. It doesn't mean anything is better than something else. It just means that the parameters that were set by the military, this company happened to meet those parameters and take somebody out to dinner enough times to win the contract. I promise you, that's how it works. Okay. So anyways, it is, for me, uh, coming up on June 1st, and you guys will be there soon. I'm slightly ahead of you right now in terms of time. But June 1st was marked as my day of transition. And what that means is, you know, even though I'm here right now training, I'm still going to be home in time to compete in the Sniper Adventure Challenge. And that is a competition very near and dear to my heart. It has really taken over. Me for some odd reason over the past five years, where I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and maybe it's maybe it's because I'm starting to feel a little bit of that age factor set in. Like I'm not old; I'm 38, but I do feel it. Like I feel joints, I feel muscular fatigue, I feel like recovery, slowing down. So I feel all of this and maybe it's a race against the clock. I don't know what it is, but I'm intrigued by this competition and pushing myself and the mind games that you, know, you play against Zach and the competition dynamic's true. So when I first got asked by Fred to be his partner back in 2018, I wanna say, um, I was not in the shape I needed to be in, so I had to go through a transition then, and I had to really get serious about it. But I have maintained that level of physical fitness and tried to progress on it. Like, every year, I look back at what I did and how I can improve. Like, what issues did I have during the competition and how can I improve? And, you know, last year... Obviously, I learned from the year before, and I try to do things a little different, right? So, like, one year, I ran. I ran a lot. I was running probably, I don't know, 60 miles a week. Um, Really just working on my cardio, my endurance, and then I would hike every so often, and that was my program. And then the year after... Um, I altered a little bit. I added in weightlifting and, you know, try to change my routine up. So I was building strength and then also doing cardio, but then I would change my workout. And then the year after that, I probably three or four months before the competition, I hurt my Achilles and I don't really know what was wrong with it. It could have been inflammation. I didn't go to the doctor, but I figured if I'm still walking, maybe I could just, change my routine up. So I started riding a bicycle a lot more and doing other exercises like more calisthenics. I really got into stretching. And so this year, taking all of my lessons learned and trying to, again, once again, improve, right? Because the the competition is everything. It takes everything that you are. Like, You have to be a good shooter. Well, I guess you don't have to be a great shooter. You could be an okay, slightly above average shooter and still do well and win the match, right? Um, But you really do have to give everything that you're capable of. So shooting, whether it's pistol or rifle, like got to be decent. Navigation, land navigation, map and compass, not making silly mistakes being able to function on little sleep, getting control of your diet, making sure that your body is used to what you're about to put it through, right? You don't want to go into this type of competition where you're just subjecting your body to something that is like, holy shit, what's happening right now? Uh, So for those of you not familiar with this, look up Competition Dynamics, or not Steel, sorry, sorry, yeah. Sniper Adventure Challenge, okay? And they'll give you a little description about it, right? But in reality, what happened last year was we hiked 50 to 60 miles, and we didn't even finish the course. I think we came in third place or fourth place, third place. I can't remember. I know the year before that we came in second. I think last year we came in third, yeah. Um, But we're so close. We're so close to winning it. But it's all... It's everything, right? So land navigation, survival skills, riddles, solving puzzles, using your brain, functioning on very little, coming up with a plan that makes sense, and then working well with your partner. All of that combined, and you could probably still not win. Like I thought we did very well last year. There's a couple areas that we kind of got mucked up a little bit you know we made some choices on some of the challenge challenges like doing the id card the terrorist at night and shooting them at 100 yards or something like that like mm, we probably could have opted to do that during the day like everybody else did but we didn't. We made a mistake. That's one. A couple land points where my compass was being affected by something metallic on my body and it was throwing off my azimuth. And like we're literally walking circles around this point because my compass is not working correctly. Um, we don't know if it was a radio or what, but you know, little problems like that. But you want all of those things to be what you focus on right? Because those things require effort and brain power. You don't want to have to focus on your physical fitness or how bad your feet hurt or any of this stuff, okay? So I've learned a lot about taking care of my feet, taking care of my body, trying to work my diet and change the way my body feels, my joints. So basically, I maintained my physical fitness, but then starting back in February. Um, It was still some cardio. It was just not as much cardio. So I was running on average two to three miles a day, and I still am, right? From February until now, I've maintained this workout two to three miles a day. You know, every few days, take a day off from running. And then also... Lots of gym time, right? Really trying to build up that strength and power. So my reps have been low, my weight's been high, but still working on some of those Olympic lifts like uh, snatches and cleaning jerks and deadlifts to build the core. And I'm happy with the progress. But now we are three months away from the Sniper Adventure Challenge and it is time to transition, especially because I really don't have three months. I have about two and a half months. I typically really go easy the last two and a half weeks before the competition so that my body can recover, it can rest, it can rebuild. Whatever I've done to tear it down, I give it two and a half weeks before that competition starts to get into it. So it is coming up on June 1st. It's time to transition to more cardio, but I'm not trying to blow out my knees doing this, right? So I'm still going to run. I enjoy it. I like running mountains. I like changing the scenery. I like exploring places by running there. So I won't stop running, but I'm also going to throw in quite a bit of bike riding. So right now I have planned to ride a road bike at least once a week, approximately 35 30 to 40 miles, um, so I'll add that in. It should do a lot for cardio, for leg strength, for endurance, and then my routine at the gym is going to change slightly where I'll be doing high reps, lower weight to, again, work on muscular endurance and focusing on trying to maintain the power that has been built while also forcing my body to adapt to what it's going to go through, right? Um, I mean, besides throwing a pack on and humping around and, and putting myself in that position, there's not a lot of ways to simulate what you're going to go through. So really, I just need to prepare my body as best I can by doing these different workouts and exercises. Keep stretching, right? That was a huge one. When I got really serious into stretching and some of these yoga techniques... That was a game changer for me. Now, also, my feet. Like, your feet are what get you from A to B to C to D to everywhere. So you got to take care of them. And it's not just about changing your socks, but it's having the right shoes. It's about taking care of them in terms of like getting rid of any funguses, getting um, you know a pumice stone out and working those calluses off, so that you're not tearing your feet up underneath the calluses, creating blisters, and now that's all you can think about. And that stuff's important. The way that you tape your feet, right? Hot spots, things like that. Like, taping has been a godsend for me. I have gone literally through the last three Sniper Adventure Challenges with zero blisters, and it's all been about how I take care of my feet. So... The reason I bring all this up is not to talk about like all the things that I'm doing and like, hey, look at me over here. But to think about what you're doing. What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to participate in and you want to do good at it, right? And maybe it's winning or maybe it is just simply being the best that you can on that particular day. So what are you doing to improve yourself? Are you dry firing? Are you working out? Are you walking? Are you doing cardio? Are you doing breathing exercises? Like there's a million different things that could improve you in one way or another. So the question is, ask yourself, what is it that I'm trying to achieve Who am I competing against? Is it myself? Is it somebody else? And then what are things that I can do to improve that performance? And that's all that I've done. I've just tried to look at different things that I've done to try and prepare and then how they've affected me. Sleep is a big one. So now I try and focus on getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. So break down your time, and I say this because when something is important enough to you, you will make the time to do it, right? So you have to look at what it is that you want to do and then what all these little factors are that goes into giving you the best chance for success and making sure you make time for those things. So if you're going to get eight hours of sleep, what time do you need to wake up? Do whatever it is that you got to do. Are you going to work out in the morning? All right. So, like, here's my daily routine right now. And this has been my daily routine since, I want to say, February. I wake up at 4.30. I get up. It takes me about 15 minutes from, like, everything to to work, you know. Um, But I snap out of bed, 4.30, and I go and I start stretching. I take my pre-workout. I found a program that gives me, like, a seven-minute warm-up, right? And it's it's anything from, like, split squats, lunges, push-ups. Like, it's just a program to follow to warm your body up, right? Uh, and I do that on top of my stretching. So I've got roughly 30-some-odd minutes of stretching involved in there, you know, which puts me at around 5.15 or so, and then I'm off. I'm, I walk outside, right? And again, because I'm trying to listen to what my body's telling me, I used to just take off running. Now I've started to do different things like dynamic movements where I'm, you know, on the road and I'm lunging down the road or I'm walking uphill backwards or I'm doing something, right, to warm my body up before I just take off running. And then I'll start running. And I got my watch. My watch records my heart rate. It records my pace. It tells me how far I've been going. And I'll run anywhere from two to three miles. And then by that time, it's roughly around 6 p.m. Or sorry, 6 a.m. Come in, grab a shower, jump in the car, head to the gym. Get to the gym. I spend roughly an hour at the gym working out whatever the program of the day is. And I did some research. I found some programs online from You know, a couple different people kind of looked at which one I wanted to follow and what what results I was looking to achieve and which one was going to incorporate workouts that I wanted to do. Obviously, the Olympic lifting was a big one, so I needed a workout that was going to incorporate deadlifts, snatches, cleans, and all that stuff. So I found the workout I wanted, and that's what I do. And then... Every Wednesday or so, I'll try to get in my 34-mile bike ride, which is 17 miles one way, and then turn around and come back. So that's where I'm at right now. The other half is trying to manage what you eat. I'm not saying that you can't eat whatever you want. I'm just saying, like, you have to watch what you eat. Like, your intake is important right? Um, I wouldn't say go eating a lot of sugar. You got to cut the sugar down, right? Especially for me, like, oh, my God, I love the sugar. But you got to cut your sugar down. And I wouldn't say you got to, like, count calories. You just, like, your output has to match your intake. So figure that out however you want, right? But anyways, it just circles back to What is it that you want to achieve? Whether it's work related, it's competition related, it's hunting related, like whatever it is, take that big goal and start breaking it down into what needs to happen for you to improve that function. And then go get it, go get after it. Like nobody's stopping you but you. And I brought up that whole time management piece because. If I'm waking up every day at 4:30, and I want to make sure every night I'm getting eight hours of sleep, that means my ass got to be to bed at 8:30. That gives me my eight hours that I'm looking for, right? And if it takes me an hour to fall asleep, which it doesn't, but if I did, if you know me, I will be—I would—soon as, as my head hits that pillow, I'm done, right? I'm—I'm am, I am light out. I could do that anywhere, but if you're not one of those people and it takes you a certain amount of time to lay there and and fall asleep, then plan for that. Make sure you're getting the appropriate amount of sleep, right? And a good way to judge how much sleep that you need, and trust me, I'm no expert at this, right? This is just things that I've learned about myself over the years, is pick a day, pick a weekend, do anything, right? And go to bed with no alarm. And go to bed with no plan for the next day. Whatever time you go to sleep and then when you wake up and you feel rested and ready to go, it's probably about the time that your body is needing to recover. And mine's sitting at like eight hours right now and I'm okay with that. Like, I have to adapt to what it needs to perform at my best. So, I go to sleep at 8.30 and it sounds weird, but what does that mean to me? It means that I cut out watching TV. It means that I have to focus on doing the things that are important and cut things out that aren't important or don't positively influence what I'm trying to achieve. So again, like if you want to be a better shooter, are you dry firing? Are you manipulating your rifle? Are you moving around on a different barricade trying to be more efficient? Are you doing mag changes? Are you fixing malfunctions? If you do this for a job, like no matter what it is, it could be precision rifle, it could be pistol, it could be carving, like I don't know what your purpose is. Only you know that. And only you know the level that you want to reach. So start looking at what Small details are going to get you to that next level, and then figuring out how to improve those. That's all it is, right? Don't use somebody else's plan just because it worked for them. You can look at their plan. You can model yours after it, but everybody's plan has got to fit their own style. Maybe you don't like working out in the morning, that's fine. I love working out in the morning. It sets the tone for my entire day. Maybe you're an at, at-lunch guy. Maybe you're an at-night-time guy or a lady. Whatever it is. Right now, I'm saying you got to work out like to each his own. I'm just saying, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, you got to set your tone. You got to figure out your goals and you got to go get it. All right. So. That's really all i got to say. I just want to kind of talk about, you know, this special day, really, like this transition to the next phase of my, my personal training. So, um, what I did want to talk about was tripod, a little bit of tripod, right? So, there's so many different methods for shooting from a tripod, and, you know, there is the military way, and you got to understand that not all tripods are created equal, right? You've got Really Right Stuff tripods. You've got uh, Pro Media Gear tripods. You have all of these different tripods that are really amazing, but they're also really expensive. And then you have, like, your middle tier, which is, like, your Leopold tripod, your Vortex tripod, and, you know, Leo Photo. You've got all these tripods that are kind of middle of the road. And then you've got like your lower tier, like your hog saddle tripod, your slick 700 Ds, your Manfrotto's. Like those are bottom shelf tripods. And then on top of that, how is your rifle hooking onto this tripod? Are you using a clamp style? Are you using a um, like a direct connect via dovetail, arca rail, or pick rail? Like how are you connecting your rifle to this? Because the more pieces you add, the more movement that's going to be played in there. And then, you know, in the military, when I was in the military, we were taught to use our slings. And I don't ever remember being it described this way, but when using the sling connected to your belt, it's supposed to pull the muzzle down and keep you on target. So if you think about this, right, you use a sling, and if you go to Arbor Arms, a buddy of mine, John, owns a company called Arbor Arms, and back in the day, you know, we were both working for Aries Armor. We had the Husky sling. This thing is sick, and it's designed for precision rifle. Well, John's making them now, and he sent me a couple, and I've been using them, and they are legit. So you hook this sling to your belt via carabiner or quick disconnect and it's attached to the rifle up near the front of the handguard now you're standing behind your rifle let's take the standing position for example and you're aimed in you tighten your sling which is going to pull your hips in then when you relax your hips are going to slightly fall back which is going to pull the muzzle down so if you think about this, when you're looking through the scope, everything is a two-dimensional world. There's no depth in there, right? You see left, right, you see up, down, but depth is, because it's a monocular, there's no, there's no real, real depth, right? You can't control depth anyway through your rifle scope. So by tightening the sling, you are controlling vertical movement. So when we want the appropriate amount of sling tension, from waist to handguard, what we are looking for is when we exhale, when we breathe out, that reticle rises to the center of the target and it does not cross above the center. That's what we're looking for. Left and right movement, little wobble left and right, that is controlled by your natural point of aim. Are you in the rifle naturally aiming at the target or are you forcing the rifle to aim at the target? That's the question. So, if you can get both of these under control, then with your lower grade tripods, you can manage that rifle to stay on target with small amount of wobble and be very, very effective. It's a great, great method, not going to say it isn't. Now as you advance into better tripods, right, really right stuff, Pro Media Gear, uh, Leo Photo even, right, depending on the head that you use. The head plays a big part in all of this, by the way. I'm a huge fan of the uh, Anvil 30. So depending on what tripod you're using, you might not need this sling method. It's also not a very fast method, right? When we're talking about competitive shooting, this is not a fast method to employ, I promise. Especially with movement, now you're just all over the place. But anyways, going back to like using the sling method, Versus just the tripod, right? And then you've got, hey, don't use the tripod for clamping in. Put your bag on top and then throw your rifle up there. And then utilize that. So why do I bring this all up? Well, because right now, as I'm training these men to shoot better on their tripods, we are going through all of these processes. And how did it start? Well, first... It wasn't an option. It was, hey, guys, here's how we shoot from the tripod, right? Standing, high kneeling, low kneeling, seated position. This is what we're looking for, right? We're looking for body alignment to control natural point of aim, and then without the sling, without the sling, you need to move your feet forward and back back to control up and down movement. With the sling, this is what you're looking for. That sling needs to be tight enough that your reticle cannot go above the center of the target when you exhale. So these small little details and then putting them into play, right? We focus on bone support, muscle relaxation, natural point of aim. like really hammering these things in there. We want to be perfect. We want to be brilliant in the basics. There's nothing special about shooting from a tripod if you understand the principles behind Shooting from a supported position. You're just applying the principles. That is it. So we go through these steps, and I force them to shoot from their saddles or their direct connections, right? And then I force them to shoot with a bag on top, whether it's a game changer, it's a sand sock, it's whatever kind of bag these guys might have. They're not all running the same gear, Right? sand socks are not issued to military snipers. So we got to go through the process. They all use their bag. And now they've just gone through two different ways of utilizing their tripod and getting their rifle to stabilize on top of it. And then we let them choose. Which method do you like better? I'm not saying we're going to forget about the method that they don't like. We still need to work on that. But... Now we have an area for them to really hone in on, right? So I'd say 60 to 70% chose to go with a bag on top versus directly connecting into a hog saddle. Like the setup is just not that great and there's better setups out there. So throwing a bag on top in between the hog saddle and then utilizing that, Start showing them the techniques to stabilize, to manage recoil better, right? And that's been a big one is we call it the recoil bubble. Every time you shoot, after recoil is over, your reticle should be within one mil of where you aimed. That is that recoil bubble. And if you're doing everything right, if you have the correct body position, you have the proper buttstock placement on the collarbone, underneath the jawline, your shoulders are perpendicular to the line of the rifle, you shoot, you feel recoil. The reticle settles back down within one mil of the target, and boom, you are good. All right? It's not just showing you where your impact was, because now you can see your impact, but it's also telling you that you have consistent body alignment, body position, breathing, everything from shot to shot to shot to shot. So we go through this whole process, and obviously, there's still some questions, right? Like, so for example. One of them was every time he's in the standing position. Now, let me describe it to you. This gentleman, he is aiming at his paper target at 100 yards, 100 meters, whatever. And he's in the standing. He's utilizing his sling, which runs from the forward edge of the handguard down to his belt. And he is tightening that sling, pulling his hips in and then sitting into it and trying to create that stabilization. And it's fine. It's still a very perfect method um, for engagements that wouldn't allow you that much time to set that up, right? And what he was getting was in the standing, he's 0.6 to 0.8 mils low. And he can't figure it out. And he's like, I don't know what's happening when he gets into the kneeling position everything's good. When he gets into the seated position, everything's good. He's got tight groups, but for the standing, his tight group is .8 low. And you're like, man, what is going on? Um, So how would you solve this problem? Are you going to sit there and look at the shooter and say, well, it must be you. You must be leaning into the rifle every time you take a shot. You must be flinching. You must be afraid of that recoil. You must be leaning in. You must be bucking the rifle. It's got to be something that you're doing, right? You could say that, and the shooter's going to sit there. He's going to try and focus on it. He's going to try and be a better shooter. He's going to think the whole time that he is just a bag of ass. But are you solving the problem, or are you just giving a couple suggestions of what it could be? You don't know if he's bucking, you don't know if he's landing in. I mean, there's guys that buck at just the right moment that you wouldn't know they're actually bucking, even if you videoed it. So how do we go through this process? Well, you have to come up with some creative ways, right? You have to come up with some creative ways on how, basically think of it like a science experiment we have this problem this person when he shoots from the standing using a tripod and his sling he is 0.6 low and you're like man what is going on here right so you have to think of it like a science experiment you have to try and eliminate variables so how do we do that it's kind of like the guys who shoot pistol and they don't know that they're leaning into the recoil so you load their mag with an empty, you know, with with a with a with a dud round. And when it goes click and they lean forward, you're like, oh, 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 I caught you right there. See what you did? Right? We do that to Vanessa all the time on the team. When she first started shooting pistol with us, she'd get into a groove and she'd start leaning into the pistol. So to try and break that habit with her, we would load her magazine with dud rounds so that she would see that she's leaning in and focus more on not doing that. So how do we solve the problem with the tripod? I'll tell you what we did. We thought about what are the variables that we can control, right? Could it be the sling? That was my first first thought was it could be the sling. It very well could be the sling. But how do I control all the variables to test if it's the sling or not, right? This guy's still got to shoot from a tripod. When he goes into the prone position, he shoots just fine. When he goes into the seated position, he shoots fine. Kneeling position, he shoots fine. In the kneeling and the seated, he's still using a sling. So my first thought was, I think it's the sling, but I don't know. I don't have all of the answers. I just have methods of finding what the answer could be. Why is this happening so we can fix it? So the first thing I decided to do was how do I eliminate the shooter variable from this, right? If he's unstable, if he is wobbly, if he's not able to stay on the target, and that's why he's maybe yanking the trigger or leaning into the recoil, how do I eliminate that problem? for me, it was easy. Hey, man, I'm going to pull this big tripod over here, and I'm going to place it right between you and the rifle. You're going to put your arm through the center of this this tripod and grab the pistol grip, pull that tripod in. I want you to aim at that target, and then I want you to squeeze tripod and buttstock together, right? So we're basically using another tripod as rear support. So now he's got Tripod in the front, supporting the front of the gun, and now he's got tripod in the rear, supporting the rear of the gun. The whole purpose of this was not to show him a new technique or to say, hey, look, man, this is a cool competition trick that we do that you can utilize in combat, blah, blah, blah. The whole purpose was I need to eliminate the shooter from the equation. How do I do that? I need to get him stable. Without changing his position, I needed him to stay in the tripod with the sling on. So, put that tripod in there for rear support, and he's looking through scope. He's like, oh my God, it is so stable right now. I was like, it feels like the prone, doesn't it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, good. And there's no excuse right now. So, we kept his sling on, right? And same tension, everything. I'm like, I want you to aim in at that target, and... We're going to pull this sling tight, and I want you to tell me when it's locked into the center of the target. He's like, all right, it's locked in. Cool. All right, man, take three shots for me. Takes three shots. I ask him every single shot, call your shot, center, call your shot, center. And I believed him because that's how stable that rear tripod method is. And he was still .6 to .8 mils low. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'm going to disconnect your sling, and I'm going to have you shoot. So we disconnected his sling from his waist. Now there is no tension on the front of the rifle anymore. And he shoots. And his group is just slightly three o'clock of center. But it's not 0.6 low anymore. i like, uh-oh. We found us a problem. It's a sling. Mmm. Okay. One more test, my friend. One more test. So I take the sling that's attached to the front of the rifle and I wrap it around the tripod leg and I put a decent amount of pressure on it, but it's nowhere near the pressure that his body can apply to that sling, right? It's just my hand holding a sling to a tripod leg. So he shoots and he's still center. And I'm like, that's it. That is the problem right there. We eliminated the variable from the shooter. Now we can specifically focus on the sling. Is the sling having a negative effect on the gun? And it was. And this is not uncommon. I've seen it before where the sling applies pressure to the handguard. These are gas guns that we're shooting, by the way. They are Knights Armament um, AR-10s, right? M110 SASs. So the sling is pulling down on the front of the handguard, which is also pulling the barrel down because the, the handguard is only held on by a barrel nut. And that barrel nut's only holding the barrel in to the upper receiver. So if it's a weak or it's a bad connection, then you can see shifting and adjusting by using a sling in that manner. And I've seen it before, not with with this particular rifle, but with other rifles. So seeing that, I was like, that's the problem right there. That is it. But I also wanted to test if he wanted to use a sling method to still help control the muzzle. Could he just... Wrap the sling around a tripod leg and apply pressure, but not so much pressure that his body weight would apply. And it turns out, yes, he can use a sling around a tripod leg, and it's not going to affect his point of impact. Perfect. Hey, dude, this is your problem. Here's how we solved it. We're good. It's not you. And he's like so relieved, like, oh, I thought it was me. Like, no. No. We just have to take a step back, stop blaming the gear, stop blaming the shooter, and look at this with an open mind. How can we create an experiment out of this to control as many variables as possible to determine what is the most likely cause? That's it. So I bring this up because you too can do this. You can do this with anything. If you think that a position is good, or you think that a certain method is good, or you think that something is affecting you, or loading the bipods is a big one. I'm not a big fan of loading the bipods because it's not repeatable. You can drop down in the dirt, you can load your bipods, but then if you're on slick concrete, can you still load your bipods? If you're shooting off the hood of a car, can you still load your bipods? Right, so. I'm not a fan of loading the bipods because you can't repeat it from every position. Does it affect you? I don't know. Do an experiment and test it. Shoulder placement. I said it in the last episode. If your buttstock is placed in the wrong position, you will see yourself jump to the right, to the left, high, low, right? You will see yourself... The rifle will move. Path of least resistance, people. It's simple. Does it create an effect on where the bullet impacts downrange? Maybe it depends on the caliber. What if you try it with a six millimeter, a six BR with very light recoil, or a two two three? You're going to see an effect. Maybe not. Maybe there's not enough recoil to move that round or move that that barrel, that gun, while that bullet's still in the barrel. But then you shoot a three hundred win mag. Now you have all of that recoil, and it does affect, or it doesn't. Test it. Come up with experiments to learn something. That's the whole point of all of this, is to learn to get better, right? Trust but verify. You can trust what I'm saying, but go verify it. You can do this with anything that you learn from people who tell you something, podcast, internet, online classes, whatever it is, trust, but verify, right? Question everything. So I thought that was a really cool example of how you should Go about this, right? Anytime you're having a problem, try to take a step back and say, okay, what are the variables here? How can I control them? And how can I set this up so that I can see what the problem actually is and then continue on about my day? Not only are you going to solve a problem and make something better, but you're going to learn a shit ton in the process, right? You might find something that you never expected. You never know. All right. So anyways, I've been rambling on for about 48 minutes about tripods and, you know, going and, and setting up different experiments to find out what's wrong, what's, what's doing well, what works, what doesn't work. And I want to say that the last thing that I want to discuss, and it's not going to take very long, right, it's just, it's a drill that reinforces fundamentals, right? So I want you to try this drill, if you want. If you don't want, you can tell me, fuck off, and it's fine. I will not be hurt by you doing or not doing this drill. But what I want you to do is think about the fundamentals. Think about the basics, right? Laying in the prone position. Prone, 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 prone. You go through your entire shooter checklist, and that's a big one that we've been preaching all week, is what is your pre-fire checklist? And it should be the same every single time, so you never forget to do something. As you build good habits, the habit of doing your shooter checklist just becomes that, a habit that you do naturally all the time, right? But I want you to lay down in the prone. I want you to build a good position. And I want you to do two shot groups, all right? One of them, you have to focus, focus, focus on the the fundamentals. You really do. Why? Because you get no rear bag, okay? No rear bag. Why am I asking you to do this? Because a lot of the times, using gear and equipment has gone from a supplement to a primary, and it shouldn't. You should be able to get into the prone position, build your position, elevate your chest off the ground, plant your elbows, relax your shoulders, and be aiming at the center of that target through bone support, muscle relaxation, and natural point of aim. You should be able to achieve that. If you get in position, you look at your target, and you exhale and relax and your reticle go above the target, what should you do? Well, if I bring my elbows closer together... That will bring the muzzle down. Why? Because I'm elevating the butt stock. So now my muzzle comes down. Oh, my crosshair is off to the right of the target. I need to move my body to the right so that my crosshair moves to the left. Right? So you really have to focus on these fundamentals in order to get that perfect group with no rear bag, with no rear support. So you focus on these fundamentals. Oh, shit, like I can't stop moving up and down vertically. Well, let me tell you, vertical movement is strictly attributed to breathing or lack of bone support, right? Breathing is an obvious one. When you breathe in, when you exhale, you have movement, but vertical wobble up down, up down, up down, shaking is you trying to force the rifle to aim somewhere instead of having a bone structure to support the rifle to aim somewhere okay? So shoot a three to five round group with no rear bag and literally go through every step of bone support, muscle relaxation, natural pulling of aim and then shoot. And then go into another three to five round grouping by utilizing a rear bag. Right, the rear bag should be inserted underneath the buttstock. Your hand should be grabbing the bag, and your thumb should be contacting the stock so that you have control of the bag and the rifle together. The bag's not just rest, or the rifle's not just resting on the bag, there's no control there. Right? You're going to squeeze both. You're going to squeeze the bag with your fingers, your thumb is going to squeeze the butt stock into the bag, and you're going to have total control. But you're going to apply all of the rear bag isms after you've built bone support, muscle relaxation, and natural point of aim, just like you did on the first group where you shot without a rear bag. You can do this drill as many times as you want. But the goal is that you get your three foundational fundamentals so down pat that you have a hard time distinguishing your rear bag group from your no rear bag group, right? Now, you still have to apply everything else, which is focus on the reticle, control your breathing, fire on the exhale. Your trigger press needs to be straight back into the rear with a 90-degree trigger press. All of those things still have to be applied, but don't lean so much on having a rear bag. Focus on the fundamentals and the rear bag comes into play at the end. All right, everybody. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate the moment of silence in the beginning. If you or someone you know has served or you know someone didn't make it home, It just keep living your life, okay? Keep living your life to honor them by keep moving forward, right? Every day, do the best that you can. Thanks for listening. Thanks for keeping up with us. I'm going to come back a few days, throw another podcast down, continue to talk about things that we're doing out here as well as things that can help you on whatever platform that you're trying to shoot whether it's work or competition or hunting right we're going to keep dropping these knowledge bombs for you Uh, if you got anything that you want to hear specifically you can message us via facebook or message us on instagram at max ordinate or also my personal tyler underscore hughes underscore ss and feel free to send me a message ask away. Send me a question. Send me a topic that you'd like me to discuss. I'm up for anything. Until next time, please be safe, have a great week, and I will talk to you next time.